Exit the Matrix podcast. I'm Amin Drew Law, a.k.a. Amin TMK. Don't yeah, be laughing, <laughs> acting like it's a good fucking time and shit. Yo, but just before we began protesting. Bro, wow, broadcasting. <laughs> protesting. Bro- You're officially launching your protest. <laughs> He's emotional, These y'all. two motherfuckers was provoking me. I just want to say this shit. It was picking on young, like Maya Angelou, you know what I'm saying? I motherfucking still I rise. Still I rise. It's the motherfucking moment, man. Little Tanky that could. Last motherfucking podcast of the season. Oh my god, I'm so emotional. <laughs> uh, we had a great, we had a great conversation. We had a great conversation previous to this. I wish we would have had the microphones on for such a candid uh, experience with three Nin users in the building. I digress. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. I am, of course, accompanied by uh, Emoji the Mo Man Summer, who you heard before, and also Aries. Keita Marshall. Hey, Keita. What up, Shalomies? I'm back in the building. <laughs> gang, gang. Well, yeah, anything, anything you guys, you guys, you guys want to share before? Yeah, apparently if you want to start a fight in your friend group, ask, is yoga a spiritual practice? <laughs> <laughs> Emotional. on it. Look at you. Right. Emotional. It's like what? Text 9925 if you agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing personal for me. It's just business. Baby. The streets of Baltimore, on the streets of Detroit, during the, the 60s in New York City. Immediately within it, you are going to get those people whose differences are not being articulated, which is right up. So, you expecting any backlash? Oh, I'm already getting it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How does that feel? I just got to say this. This impeachment is whack as shit. Do you agree, team? Oh, Bruh, this, uh, I, did you watch any of I actually watched some. You know damn well I don't watch a second of that. That's why I'm asking y'all. Or, I definitely didn't watch that bullshit. I actually, yeah. So, Mo, what boring ass shit did you watch for like six hours on C-SPAN? The Republicans all got up, and we're going to talk a little bit about this later on. They all read parts from Trump's letter where he was talking. I have the hiccups. It's terrible. I'm like struggling, man. I'm trying to get these words. I'm trying to get these words. I know what words are. I'm a smart guy. They're all up there. Trump wrote a letter and all of these guys are literally saying what he said over and over and over. So it's like a six page letter and all of the Republicans are getting up and saying different parts of his letter to create a branding message. So the Republicans set the frame as like the Democrats wanted to do this the whole time. They, they're they happy to be doing it. And this is a joyous day for them. And so all the Democrats have to get up in ritualized fucking obeisance they're all on their knees talking about madam speaker this is the saddest day for me it breaks my heart to have to impeach the president the duly elected president of the united i mean there was at one point where representative garcia from texas gets up and says madam speaker i didn't come to congress to impeach the president even after he separated babies from their parents at the border the Fuck. That's just terrifying. That's just a terrifying statement. This is the fucking resistance, yo. They need to be on the mic like, yo, let me tell you, for this and many other reasons, this is a joyous day. This is the first day we begin to take America back. This is the day where a man who sexually assaults women is held to account. This is a day where a man who has cheated on his taxes for decades, robbing the American public of tax wealth is brought to account. This is a day where a man who flouts the rule of law and puts children in cages, none of that. None of that fire. It's all, 
we're just so sad that we're having to do this. And the Republicans are in their bag. And they're like, and, and you know, you had these new Congress people that came in and they're saying, impeach the, the mother. And, and, and they've wanted to do And now they're acting like this is what they don't want to do. But they've tried to impeach him four times already. And it's like, their message is so much more cohesive because all they're doing is parroting what Trump has told them to say. As evidenced in his letter, he definitely has his rally war cry in that. If I look at it from the liberal side, they're playing this like the celebration of celebrations. It's like the turn up. It's like they've accomplished something. The liberal media is has been taking so many losses in the last three years. They're just taking it all out on this in, uh, impeachment. All this anti-Trump, this is the reason the country is, is, is turning to a, be like a criminal state, a criminal empire. It's like Donald Trump is the reason why America has turned into this fascist place. And they're celebrating this like this will be the legacy of his presidency, this impeachment. But we know when it goes to Senate, there's no chance that it will pass because A, the Republicans have a majority and Democrats have already, a few of them have already come out and said they are not going to vote for the impeachment. So it's dead in the water. Did you say impeachment? Just like Debo say, what impeachment? He was voted to be impeached, but the Speaker of the House has not passed that resolution on to the Senate. So essentially, it's like the cop has your ticket. It's like they suspend the sentence, but they could, they could always still issue the charge. So the two charges have been voted for, but they're not officially charges until you send it to the fucking Senate. Two days after voting for fucking impeachment, Nancy Pelosi was sending a letter to the White House inviting him to speak on the State of the Union. I mean, that's how ridiculous this shit is. So speaking of letters, there was another letter that was uh, written, what is it, like a few days ago? Yes. It, was, it wasn't a four-page letter. <laughs> it was a six-page letter. Ain't nobody going to get that Aaliyah joke, bro. You're a fucking millennial ass. As a Gen Xer, I'm like, yeah, you know, of course I get it, man. I mean, she's sacred to us. As Why? a Gen X black man. This is projection right now. Can we can we move forward? I just want I'm not editing this out unless you know that's where he was at with it. Anyway, a uh, six page letter. Six page letter written by Donnie J. Uh we looked at this letter the other day. I, I just wanted to know if y'all had thoughts, if y'all wanted to say anything about the letter. It was a very interesting piece of writing. And as writers, I feel like there was some interesting aspects that we saw. I mean, yeah, because you could tell the parts that he wrote versus the parts that the lawyer wrote. <laughs> Someone else wrote with a different. What was the word we were saying? Oh, constitutional jurisprudence. You got prudence and you got Jewish prudence. You know, like you can imagine, like a rich ass kid in sixth grade, and he have an essay, and like I know the most about Hannibal. I'm gonna write about Hannibal. This is what I'm gonna write about Hannibal, and that's literally how it begins the letter. I want to express my strongest and my most powerful protest against partisan impeachment crusade and then you look at the word count and it's like all right it's 800 words how many is that 100 it's five all right okay look you write the rest but i'm gonna jump in right and that's him and the lawyers and he was oh, like he do, you, do you want me to say this no 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 say it like this actually give it back give it back give it back he was his own and hype another man in this letter writing <laughs> he made sure he was like are you sure it's not like rhetorically like accurate like grammarly accurate to leave an exclamation point point here put exclamation point in there right now or it's curtains also though how he capitalizes certain words that then serve as triggers to his base because like yes this letter is addressed to um speaker pelosi but it's also a call to action for the people who support him and who really want him to stay president and who like share his 
non-values and non-morals because he's given them really easy hashtags to pull by capitalizing very specific words like obstructing justice, impeachment hoax, Russian hoax, etc. The phraseology that stood out the most to me, right? And I I knew that that this is, we were watching it be like prototyped with W when he would do things like, what was a phrase that they loved? Extraordinary rendition. Whereas like these are two words that we know what extraordinary means, we know what rendition means, but we put these two words together and that would mean something totally different. Trump does that on a graduate level. It looks so fucking small, but it's very dangerous. Look, for example, how many times you see America first and put capitalized and then Google America first and tell me where the roots of that came from. That's so true. And he's reframing the arguments too. I mean, he does that incredibly well where he's like, this is the thing that you're going to talk about, but I want to talk about this or I want to talk about it in this way. And that's what he set up in his letter. And it reinforces again for his constituents, like this is how we're going to talk about this. It's not justice. It's obstructing justice. It's not me being doing any wrong these charges are fallacious not that he would ever use a word like fallacious but these charges are made up and i'm innocent and like everybody else has to parrot all of this right back it's the phenomena of the colby covington right like this is a person who is not a great fighter but what is how, how does he win fights He stays on the offensive, and so it keeps you on the back foot. This is literally the white, masculine, toxic playbook. This is what Trump does. He stays on the offense so long that Democrats are playing defense. This is what I'm saying. The whole first half of that impeachment day, each Democrat is coming on on the record saying, I'm sad about this. I don't want to be impeaching the president. Also, it's it's because the Democrats are on the back foot, and it all really started with the fact that we— ever said that certain things were up for debate. And the moment we said, like, yes, this is debate worthy, that means you have a a valid perspective on this argument that we're having. And it legitimizes the other person instead of walking away, which is why OK Boomer is actually pretty successful, because it says that I'm not engaging in this with you. You are not worth my time. This is not up for debate. Okay, boomer, goodbye. But the Democrats can't do that. They have to engage because, of course, like all eyes are on them. They feel they have to engage rather than doing that non-engagement tactic. But the moment you engage, you lose because you're conceding that the way the other individual, in this case, Trump has framed the argument, in this case, the Republicans, is accurate and correct. And that's the premise of your entire narrative, which belongs to the other party. And you're never going to win anything rhetorically that way. They do that because the Democrats somehow believe their strategy is morally more empowered. They're more ethical than the Republicans are. If you look in that letter, all of the jabs that Trump gets to take at them are real life things. Oh, yeah. Things that are literally putting people's lives in danger. When he's talking about the radical Democrats, talking about the four. Everybody knows he's talking about the gang of four. And then we're talking about all this new conversation about what's anti-Semitic. But then listening to him talk about Adam Schiff, you bring out every fucking anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic trope ever because this Jew doesn't do what you want him to do. So he doesn't get that protection. And it's so ridiculous. I mean, but it's them controlling the frame. Facts, big facts. And it's just like I'm looking at this and I'm watching this MSNBC stuff. Why do I do it? I I don't know. I can't tell you. Masochism, I guess. But it's they're celebrating like, I mean, it's 1999. And they're so turned up on this. And everyone's saying, this is the narrative that they're trying to give me. This is going to stain the, the Trump presidency forever. And it's like, are you kidding me? How could you be so dumb? This is the most empowering moment ever. 
in, in the Trump presidency. And I, I just want to know, is there ever going to be a legacy to this? Like, what is the legacy of, of this impeachment going to be? Oh, my God. I mean, the legacy of this entire span of history is going to be one of those things that people ask, why wasn't something done sooner? <laughs> like, we're going to just repeat this ad nauseum. I mean, we've definitely talked about, we talked about last week how Trump is now having people frame as if he should be able to get a do-over and get an, a, you know, a... a an amendment nullified to the Constitution, whereas he's able to run again for a longer period of time. So these are the legacies, right? Like, I look at we're getting the making of a fucking Caesar. It's happening in this moment. And because the Democrats have responded in such a meek way, I mean, fuck, man, Tulsi Gabbard voted present. What she was trying to say, or what I guess she thought she was trying to say, was that all of these presidents, I forget she said, like, since Hoover, should have been of the since the beginning. I'm like, yeah, like slave owners. Yeah, yeah, like George Washington, you know, like George Washington said, all of these presidents really could have been impeached for straight up war crimes. Nah, or not. Look, bro, she's a congressman, just like anybody else. If she feels like those fucking if she feels like those charges should be added, she literally could write the legislation to do that. Voting present to me without putting up your own banner, whereas I am voting to impeach the president literally based upon war crimes. As a member of Congress, she has the ability to write right, that Right, chart. right, right. I'm not, I'm not standing for her. I'm just saying, I, all I'm saying is that point that she made. But she could, she literally has the power yeah. to do so. Yeah, and but she remove did her not. from the conversation, though. Yeah. Like, she's not a part of the conversation. That's just something that she brought up. That was like my context for bringing it yeah. in. You know yeah. I mean, to me, it's just interesting, though, right? Because that, that would have been a good argument. Like, nah, this is some bullshit, but then do the stronger thing. And again, she needs to achieve differentiation anyway in a very crowded democratic pack yo this wasn't the look i mean it depends what you think the look is it definitely got her back on tv well political strategy be damned i don't care yeah but these are also things that we should talk about in addition to the impeachment when we're talking about things that are more important that are still happening in the world and i know like the world we live in is very depressing people want to take the small victories where they can and it is exhausting having to deal with all of the problems all of the issues all of the isms that we have to deal with with the entire world but really that's where we should go next i mean that could have been a whole strategy though if the democrats had the balls for it keep slow rolling fucking impeachments every time he does a new impeachable act open a new fucking impeachment inquiry and vote they will never do that though right that's what i'm saying it's like put him on his back foot yeah donnie J and and, and the republicans their, their whole situation is they debo everything they take what they want they grab it they fight it every every step Yo, of the way all this shit the is the dems are trash bro they, they want they with the shits it's more important shit we could be talking about that yeah than let's talk bro. about that we're gonna call this entire segment things more important than the impeachment it's it's hard not to get wrapped up into it so one thing that affects me for real is washington republican not like D.C., Washington, but the state Washington, Representative Matt Shea is said to have participated in straight-up domestic terrorism. This is on Democracy Now! It says, in Washington State, Republicans themselves are, not Democrats, are calling on their fellow Republican state lawmaker, Matt Shea, to step down after reports commissioned by the Washington State House Republicans found that Shea himself directly participated in domestic terrorism, that he was engaged in promoting armed conflicts of political violence against the United States. 
in 2014 and 2016. We're not talking about like the weatherman movement in the 70s or some shit like that. We're talking about something with this decade. But also not just that. It wasn't he just participated. He was a leader of an anti-government patriot movement. And of course he's not going to step down because let's face it, just like cops, this is all intentional. Like these folks got these jobs and then were pushed forward because of the feelings that they had and the changes that they wanted to make. This is a person who has determined a bunch of laws, who's voted on things that have absolutely impaired the ability for marginalized communities and communities of color to excel. This reminds me when we were talking about, because it's crazy to me that the Republicans said it, y'all, this is a little too racist for us. Like, damn, B, you you actually be marching with AKs and shit? Yeah. No, bro, this straight might up. be a little bit too much, bruh. Yo, do you remember when we were talking about how Google was like, was it they like suing, or Facebook was like suing the IDF or Israel for like encrypting yes. the thing? It's like, <laughs> damn, like, right like right with whatsapp like damn like facebook is more offended about these privacy infringements yo you know what i do when i uh when i impeach somebody that i feel like is not fit to be my leader you know what i do like i remember one time i was having a conflict with a a white guy who felt like uh, he should tell the south how poetry should be run you know what i didn't do vote for this motherfucker to have a budget of 749 billy billy this is space force right Billy. This is all It's everything, that. but it's, it's also everything. invoking the space right. for it. How you going to say you have no confidence in this person and then give them the bag? And it's like almost like this is what happens in the news cycle now. They fixate on one thing, and you can go ahead and say, oh, impeachment, it dominates the news. And then right underneath, they basically given you a trillion-dollar budget to create all this military force and, 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 and continue to make this military-industrial complex balloon to an unheard-of level, which it already is. Within the last month, we had it come out that three the three last American presidents have all purposefully lied to the American public about the results and impacts of the Afghan war. So again, this is bipartisan corruption, man. This is over the past 20 years, they spent a trillion dollars. There would be no student loan crisis right now if the government had invested that money into the young people that were going to college. Trillion dollars over the past decade. Bipartisan. And well, okay, so speaking of things more important than impeachment, there's still like geopolitics happening right now. There are still so many different oppressive ideologies that exist also here in the United States, and those ideologies percolate throughout the world. And you know, this Trumpism really started a lot of these populist ideology that they run with, a lot of other leaders pick up on it. In India right now, what is it, the Prime Minister Modi, President Modi, like, but he'd be running the whole joint. He runs on a lot of the same Islamophobic ideologies that are seen in other aspects and other places in the country. And what they just passed is a bill that will allow non-Muslims from Muslim countries to enact like refugee status within India. But not Muslims themselves, only non-Muslims coming from Muslim countries. And I just thought, like, the cultural identity in India, that's how they flipped it for their particular culture. And it's still that same Islamophobic sentiment existing in other places of the world. So when we're looking at Adani J and we're looking at all of the ideological techniques that he uses... These things are being used in other places as well. I want to give a uh, shout out to my homie Aka for reaching out and being like, I I hear you, bro. Like, we're seeing the same things in other parts of the country. You know, these are not things that they're going to be talking about on mainstream news ever. You know, especially because it doesn't have to do with impeachment. It doesn't have to do with that sensationalism. I mean, I have a lot, because this ties into a lot of conversations that we've had in the past and how 
this the political situation that we're looking at extends way past the U.S. It extends into other countries. But it also kind of goes back to that conversation about voting. And it's like, well, why are you trying to deny a portion of people safety um, and the ability to make change in your country? And you kind of have to look at like, okay, well, what change are you trying to prevent? And how are you trying to dress this up? How are you trying to frame the narrative? And of course, he's like, well, we just want to help people. And it's like, that's not true because you're literally denying help to a very specific subset. This is what we talk about with the Trump letter, right? It's just this new aspect of branding everything, making it a hashtag, pushing and changing the narrative, being bolder than the liberal quote unquote air quotes around you. You know what I mean? They're not afraid to take it to a place. And because y'all are criminals yourself, all of these neoliberals, neoliberalism, come on, neoliberalism in India. Right. But the thing that I know, though, is it's a price for everything. You know what I'm saying? Like in a capitalist framework, which India very much is, there's a price for everything. And so, like, why are we considering what war looks like? Because let's let's be honest, this anti-Muslim sentiment is to stoke up passions to make it easier to go to war against Kashmir. How can that be the better solution than thinking about what is it you feel like is the price you need? Go to Pakistan and be like, hey, we're going to sell you Kashmir, but we're going to sell it to you for whatever. A million, a billion, a trillion. You have over 100 years as a country to pay us this country, essentially treat it like a tithe or a tariff. And that's the solution. That fixes your GDP. You don't have to deal with these quote-unquote Indian Muslims that you don't want to deal with. Pakistan has felt like Kashmir was part of their province for a long time as opposed to a military solution. Why isn't there a commercial solution as opposed to stoking up this anti-Muslim hatred just to make it easier to go to war when the whole point is you want to control Kashmir? Kashmir is always going to be a Muslim province. So if you don't like Muslims, why won't you let let it the fuck go. I mean, they're not going to do that, like given the history of India. And that's something that you spoke to. We have to examine as well in all of this, um, particularly since it is a capitalist country and proclaims to be democratic. And yet in order to stop the idea that people were protesting, because people in India are protesting this uh, amendment to their citizenship laws, um, they've definitely risen up. The police told them that they couldn't protest, but they also shut down the Internet to stop people from hearing about these protests and hearing that no, Indian citizens don't necessarily agree with what the Prime Minister is doing. Yeah, you don't blame the people. It actually was the longest internet shutdown by a democratic quote, but let China had done this shit, bro. Let China had done this shit. All the communists. All the dictatorship. Now, normally, bro, I would talk about this on, like, the paradigm shift, but I feel like this is such an important thing that's happening today. Things more important than the impeachment. Important than the impeachment. I'm saying. So, like, there's one thing that's going on. I want to give it up as some good news. Never underestimate the power of direct action. So we have this thing that's happening in Ireland right now, and it's called the Please Take One Initiative, where people are, instead of donating coats to problematic nonprofits where people may or may not ever want to go to the Salvation Army, but you know what? Every homeless person that could have a coat would want a coat. And so people are coming and directly leaving coats on this bridge in Dublin so that no questions asked, homeless people or whoever needs a coat can come and get a coat. 
This is saving direct lives. When you think about how many homeless people there are, how brutal winter is all around the world, and now people don't have to do this humbling thing where they go into a nonprofit, they're still going to sell them a coat that they got donated, and now they can have a straight-up coat. Get you on the email list. You'll be homeless, and they'll still be like, hey, let's get you on the email list. Oh, man, fuck. This is the same. This is the lie of the nonprofit. I don't know if I can go there right now. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation and the lie of city officials who purport- purportedly care about their citizens because even in um, Ireland, city officials were like, I don't know how I feel about that and the coats were gone over the weekend. But fortunately, dude was like, fuck that shit and brought all 50 coats back and hung them back up. And now, of course, that it's kind of reached uh, a higher level past his own efforts, people are contributing their own coats and making sure they're hung on this fucking bridge, which is exactly what we we should do because some laws like this are made to be broken a law is not morality and b like none of this stuff is going to change unless we are ready for some guerrilla tactics if you're not ready for a little bit of friction you know what i'm saying we can't push this narrative like how many times do you think that they can really come back and try to shut down this cult initiative like, you have to continue to push forward. So I think that's just like a small thing, like a grassroots community aspect that everybody right now, where you are in your space, this is real grassroots movements, things more important than impeachment. It's really difficult to think about American politics and geopolitics with trillions and trillions of dollars and all these different powerful people at stakes, but it can be still be impactful just where you are grassroots doing your thing. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, we applaud the homies up in Ireland for trying to give the people coats and fuck the nonprofits and fuck the city <laughs> officials and all. You know how... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not get started. I but know, you know I what know, it is. I know where you're going to go to a certain mayor. Starts with the B. I mean, no, 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 no. Don't get me started. My nin is already perking, perking I, up. I can see it. I can feel yeah. it. I can feel it. <laughs> Do we have any anything else left here on things more important than impeachment? <gasps> yes. Yes, because this came, um, I want to say, over the weekend. Um, but South Carolina, I can't remember exactly. It's essentially, they're saying, like, um, pro-choice groups have submitted a bill called the South Carolina Pro-Birth Accountability Act. Actually, it was uh, Senator, Senator Mia McLeod pre-filed it on Wednesday. And uh, it's Bill SB 928 in South Carolina that is really kind of... Talk about reframing a narrative. For those who don't know, South Carolina passed a ban uh, that bans abortion at six weeks into pregnancy. And so this bill is like, oh, okay, if you're going to make people carry their pregnancies to term, um, even if they're not viable pregnancies, then what you have to do is pay these people as a gestational surrogate for the state of South Carolina. And the impetus behind it is, is you can't make people rent their property and their body is kind of like that situation. Situation. So really, the part of the bill, quote, just as South Carolina may not constitutionally use a citizen's rental property without just compensation, it may not constitutionally require a woman to incubate a child without appropriate compensation. This is a word that I learned from that guy over there, the little tanky that could. This is the ridiculousness that is created by a litigious society. Because you say that I have to have this particular thing and I'm not allowed to have body autonomy, I have to go through the law to somehow create rhetoric that allows me to combat that. And isn't that how, this sounds ridiculous, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's facts, though. I mean, it is totally facts. facts. Yeah, it is totally facts. And it also gets around the argument like, okay, if you fucking care about people, if you are pro-life like you say you are, that's the narrative we're rolling on, then fucking prove it. If you care about this individual, because the law and the bill also says like they have to carry the fetus to term, but the city has to pay them or the state has to pay them. But also that the state is required to cover all costs associated with that child until they turn 18. And that includes health, dental, vision insurance, and that they have to pay child support. I mean, it's smart to me, right? Again, I'm not a capitalist, but if you're going to be a capitalist, the only thing capitalists respect is capital. And so if we look at what the going rate for surrogacy is, then those people that are carrying children should be debiting that amount as an invoice to the state that is mandating that they carry these services. Nine months at the going standard rate for fucking surrogacy, the state is obligated to. Because I'll tell you what will happen real quick. Then you will absolutely very fast either A, stop mandating mandating these kind of bullshit ass laws or to pass super comprehensive medical reform so that the state can be like well we cover the medical because that'll still be hella cheaper than if you look at what the going rates for surrogacy are cover the medical and the bill also says you also have to pay for that child's college education it went all the way the fuck in Yo, one more thing I would be remiss to say this hella 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 more important than the impeachment in Chile right now the government, they're saying they're doing non-lethal protester disbursement, and they're firing cannons of water that have portions of sodium hydroxide. That's lie. You're firing lie water at people. And this is considered non-lethal. What is, what is that? What is that? Lie water? Is that what you said? Yeah. Sodium hydroxide is lie. Like the shit that you use to perm hair. Oh, my God. Drano. So shooting at people? So, uh, Drano, essentially, it's a... I want to say it's an acid, but it probably has a base pH. Yeah, it has a base pH. And Either way, how about this? It will fucking burn the shit out of you. It literally eats through the collagen in your hair to make your hair straight. Yeah. And that's what they're like spraying in people's faces? Water, yeah. Sodium hydroxide water, right? And what they're going to argue about is, oh, well, we're only doing so much. Look, first off, if it's still coming at you from a fire hose, that's an incredible volume and just the water alone. But now it's that volume with the caustic properties of lye. This has got to be breaking international law. Like, this is absurd. Uh, it like, sounds like chemical we, warfare to me. I think yeah. you can make an argument for that. This is a chemical that. warfare against your own citizens. These are things that are far, far more important, more important than the impeachment. We got to change their whole mind states, bro. Let's give them the last paradigm shift. Yo, of the, the last season. paradigm shift of, of the season. I mean, of the season, but this is the last one of the decade. Of bro. the decade. So let's make it big. Let's make it huge. Let's make it stronger. Let's make it <laughs> <laughs> the largest, strong, more powerful freedom and justice. What we do now and in the next few years will profoundly affect the next few thousand years. The last paradigm shift of the decade. I'm so excited. I just kind of wanted to have this. Oh, did you have something you wanted to say? No, I'm just like, what is fucking time? Because I'm like, what are you talking about? It's a new decade. Because the fucking millennium happened. And I'm like, that was, nope, nope. Yeah, that was 20 years ago now. We are hitting... How do decades work? How does We time couldn't work? even enjoy the damn <laughs> se- the turn of the century because of Y2 fake-ass K propaganda. No, no, no. It was real. Oh, it was? I'm in, I was in fucking IT. Don't, I, you don't even begin to fucking complain to me about what you're fucking Y2K. And the reason he says that, that he's not going to go into, is the reason people think Y2K was a hoax because all the fucking IT people had work 
nonstop, 24-7, leading up to the turn of the millennium to fix the fucking issue before it crashed everything. It was only the fate of fucking contemporary society on our backs. No no real thing. And then nothing happens, and everybody's like, yeah, I knew this was some bullshit. I'm like, you sons of bitches. Yeah, as we say, IT folks, unsung heroes, back in the 90s, mind you. Listen to me, though. The media never confirmed that to us. There was no conversation. It was just like, oh, it was fake. Yeah, because the media putting his middle finger up to me, the but... conversation. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm not blaming. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, please forgive my ignorance. It was the media's fault. They never gave me that explanation. So I retract my earlier statement. There's a lot of emotion in the room. You can cut it with a knife. Oh. And I just want to talk about the paradigm shift. Yes. Right? And we've, we've chosen our own. We're going to go off the cuff. Like I said, this is our last segment of the decade. I'm with two incredibly beautiful human beings. And I am just ready to talk about this. And some, the one I, I chose to start off with is ride shares. I think what's really interesting about ride shares is not only have they changed society, they have put people in situations where they're dealing with people that don't necessarily have accountability attached to what they do. And not to say that this doesn't happen in other places, but I remember a couple podcasts ago, podcast is how I tell time. We were talking about how Uber was being shut down in London. A report came out. I don't know if it was their own report or was a third party report that said that there was like 34 murders by Uber drivers or passengers. And there was like a rampant amount of sexual assault cases and convictions. And it's just crazy to me that we now live in a society where something like that could be so public and be such a part of a particular or corporation, mm -hmm. just be so a part of that narrative. And I think Uber has really done that. But we also can't deny that London has a huge sexual assault problem anyway. Because um, when my friend there went, she took public transportation and she said it was horrendous. Even just trying to walk down a fucking street, people would grab her and she couldn't see who it was. That's the problem with all of these startup ventures too, is that they wanted to deregulate the industries. They wanted to kind of do their own thing and they've succeeded at it. They have no accountability and nobody really supported the taxi unions because folks were irritated with taxis trying to upcharge them or cheat them. Everybody had their own personal story and didn't look at it from the macro perspective. I just think about how fast culture can really change. I remember being in school and literally being drilled by school, by your parents, by your friends, never getting in the car with strangers. Now I literally pay strangers to come and give you get candy. In the car. But most times I don't give you no candy. Shit, I'm, let, I'm like, oh my God, well, you got candy, mother. Oh my God, you got a bottle of water in there. I'm like, whoa, five stars, a tip, everything. Yeah, sometimes they got some chips. Yo, not only am I going in there being driven by a stranger. If I ain't got the money, and usually I don't, my ass is broke living in this right. late-stage capitalism, right, right. I'm getting in the car with other motherfuckers yeah. I don't know. Yo, but now think about this, though, right? You've been drinking. It's late as fuck. It's 3.30. You're trying to get back home. You know, you're, you're being offered a water, right? Something we just said is like a treat. You know, you've been drinking. You drink it, and now you're knocked the fuck out because you didn't even think to question this water like you would from getting a fucking water from a fucking stranger. Uh, nah, bitch, I don't drink fucking anything in a person's car I don't know. No, and they no, offer, and I'm like, nah, bitch, no, I don't no. know you. Shit, man. I didn't even think, you know, 
this is just me, my blind spot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my my masculinity blind spot. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even think of that. Uh, no, but that's I, facts. No, I'm like, no that's y'all right. Nice, you offer water. I'm not fucking drinking it. I don't accept drinks from people yo, I don't know. Yo, something else, and this this kind of is along the same lines. And sorry to hijack this a little bit, but it just came to mind. We were talking about it a couple podcasts ago. Podcasts is how I tell time. Quotes. The non non disclosure contract. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Well, I remember it was a couple years ago. I think I don't know. It wasn't a podcast, but. There was a conversation around like people who were like in the military or could work for organizations like Blackwater would have to sign a release saying that if they were sexually assaulted while they were working, they were not allowed to sue uh, the organization for wrongful doing. And I feel like that was a that in of itself there was a paradigm shift, and the non disclosure agreement is that paradigm shift that we're kind of seeing exist like within Uber as well, like. It just doesn't matter if these things happen because you sign a 600-page list of just all of this, uh, 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 you know, lawyer jargon that none of us can read. And these mega corporations are going to implement those same tactics. So the paradigm shift that I have, I feel like we have to start to have intelligent conversations about what it means to be pro or anti the death penalty, right? Uh, that's the paradigm shift I want us to take going on into this new decade. For so long, the narrative has been being tough on crime, and people have these very simplistic views on the left, and liberals specifically, not that I consider liberals the left. The same way where we can easily jump on Republicans for being like anti-choice, like, oh, you don't believe a woman should have the right to choose. Well, you believe in being pro-life. Well, then how come you're not pro-health care? Is the way that I would rebut a liberal or a leftist that claims to be pro-death penalty, but then still makes arguments that law enforcement should be armed. Because what is that other than the death penalty? Yeah, extrajudicially, right? Right. If a law enforcement officer has the right to take your life right now without jury of your peers or without a judge, that is the death penalty. So you have to grow your stance. If you're saying you're anti-death penalty, I need you to step up and really be strong about seeing these type of measures also included, especially when you're talking about taking the guns off the streets and making modifications to the Second Amendment. I think also carry that all the way, right? Because very few people complained that Osama bin Laden was shot in the head, even though he was never tried by a jury, right? If you believe in jurisprudence, as the president does, then people have the right to be charged for a crime and, and, and brought in front of a jury. Someone gets to decide that. You have to be anti-drone. You have to be anti any measure that brings death, you need to be anti-war. So you really have to examine like how you perceive state-sanctioned violence because that leads to death invariably. I, I mean, we've just read about how all of these folks, well, they're talking about impeachment, have been re- 700,000 people have been removed from the SNAP program, which is denying them the right the human right to food and their health. And then, of course, all of these anti-homelessness measures to really kind of punish individuals who help homeless families and, and people, but also punish homeless people. And that's state-sanctioned violence that leads to death that nobody's really kind of talking about and expanding their worldview. To me, what you're saying is we really have to let this like reformist ideology go because I was just reading, and we have so many things to talk about this, we couldn't even get this today in terms of things more important than the impeachment, but one of our number ones, you know what I'm saying? Marilyn Mosey back back at it again. In Baltimore, there was a sergeant, and he had had all these different complaints going on about, like, arresting people. He was arresting people 
for filming or watching crime scenes that he was a part of. What he was doing was he was not turning in his body cam footage. And, and I remember so long ago that conversation surrounding how body cam footage was going to be the thing that radically changes right. how police act. That was how long ago? Six, seven years ago? Man, not Has that long ago. I'm going to tell you right now, I remember a very prominent white male liberal poet from Indiana who shall go unnamed, who made me feel like, oh, you just don't get it. You just don't understand. All we have to do is, all we have to do is use this cam footage and that's going to stop the extrajudicial murder. I'm like, bro, you acting like the cop cars haven't had footage for all these years and murders are still happening. Also, people's cell phones being able to capture video live and people uploading it to their social media channels. We've had footage for the fucking longest. But also, it makes a huge difference who owns the footage. Me, the personal citizen, or the state. Because I don't know what's going to happen with the footage that the state has, especially if I don't have civilian oversight. If I don't have all of that access to all of that footage, we'll never know what they did and what they didn't record. But I know exactly what the fuck I record. They'll just say it like the, how they do the documents. Oh, it was redacted for safety reasons. Are, for- they're going to say personnel, human resources exactly. reasons. Exactly. And that's if they don't straight up Epstein that footage. Yeah. Oh, this shit is missing. Sorry, we had a server crash. Mm. Anyway, Keita, what is your paradigm so shift? So mine, of course, is going to be this metadata taking over, especially Ooh. as conversations about 5G happen. Um, and we're seeing it a little bit. Of course, the way that it's getting pitched is like our whole life will be integrated, interconnected. Absolutely fucking not okay because there are no privacy laws in place and the panopticon becomes so inherently real when you're talking about the fact that okay imagine everything that they've gathered in our metadata from our phones and social media now extend that to the fucking Roomba that now has a map of your entire living space extend that to the fact that they now know how many times you go into your refrigerator and need to re-up on certain groceries because your refrigerator is telling you hey you need eggs which is like bizarro But imagine like what all of these people can do with this information that comes in. How many times you open your garage? How many times do you get in your car? How fast are you driving? Are you driving the speed limit? How many times are you braking? Your insurance now has access to that metadata to be like, and in some countries, and not in some countries, in some states they do. Where they're like, hey, you weren't driving safely. And from the metadata, we could see that um, you weren't doing this, so your rates are going to go up. And then the same thing with our healthcare, having all of that access to our personal information without any laws put in place protecting our privacy. Like, that's the shift that I'm seeing because people are more excited about, I'll have faster internet on my phone without kind of looking at the implications of it and also having everything automated to your washing machine and dryer. And it's like, none of these things need to be hooked up to the fucking internet, my people. I, what that makes me think of, and this is this is because I'm getting older and I have more perspective. I'm getting older, but I'm still so fine. Yeah. Uh, I re- the finest. <laughs> I remember. Turned out perfect. <laughs> yep. Shout out to the mixtape. But what I'm saying is, do y'all remember, I think it was like this conversation that they were like, we're going to put a microchip in your arm. And everyone was like, I would never let them have no microchip in my yeah. arm. That would be stupid. Well, this is what they did. Instead of putting a microchip in your arm, they created a device that would scientifically make you addicted to it. And they can just gain that information from 
from you regardless. And now, and now here's another thing to think about. It's like I remember when cell phones first started coming out as a Gen Xer, right, to the, like, regular people that weren't, like, Pablo Escobar and shit, you know, because, man, that used to be the ultimate luxury device, a fucking cell phone. But, like, yeah, like, motherfucker, you had a Lamborghini or some shit. I remember the conversation was the radiation, right? Now, when you look at the fucking signal output of 5G, what are the health implications to be mass irradiated like that? And how does the average person that maybe or maybe doesn't opt into that system, what are their implications? You might not even use a cell phone, but you're still being irradiated by 5G signals at all times. That part, that is contested still. But there is a lot of evidence that the 5G the wavelength is disrupting the flight of birds and things like that as an environmental reason as well. Yeah. But that's inconclusive right now. So my thing with something like 5G as a health risk, with all these different health risks, another paradigm shift, because it has such importance for the capitalistic society, they're not going to test the infrastructure the way that they should in terms of our health. Or in terms of the environment, which is really what you touched on. We have no idea how it's changing the migratory patterns of animals, particularly birds, but also like how our creatures underground staying safe. But what I'm saying is it is important because this is the framework of how global, I don't know what you would call it. But just like entire geo environment, like if if the if when the elephants go extinct, that's going to destroy the entire ecosystem because many animals use this particular animal, you know, as a part of their, um, you know, what I'm saying, a part of the balance of, you know, I'm the Lion King shit, everything is balanced, <laughs> so on and so forth. What yeah. I'm saying is, why aren't we spending the time to study these things because it's such a uh, impact for capitalism. It's an impact for capitalism and it's the demand for everything right now. Our delayed gratification is is non-existent at this point. I just want to I want to push back on that though. Because okay. and the only reason is it's the same thing when people talk about how this society is becoming this narcissistic society. I, I disagree with that. I, I think people are being put in a position where they feel like unless there's a certain amount of gravitas to who they are as a person, their life is a failure. And that is a propaganda aspect of where we're coming up in this world. Oh, facts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I, well, all I'm saying is, and Ichel taught me this, shout out to Ichel. You know, don't come at, the, I don't want to come at things from a deficit, like what we don't have and how we're fucking up. Like never blame the people. No, not blaming on the people, but like how the corporations have influenced the way that we perceive ourselves and the things that we need around us to the point that it's eroded our sense of delayed gratification, where a lot of people I think in certain things are very cool with that. We're not cool with it in technology, but that's because of the propaganda of corporations that say we need this now. It's like the reason why you have to go from buying the iPhone 8 to the iPhone 10. Really, the though, iPhone 9 at uh, this point. Right. Like, you know what, what, I mean? what do they yeah. call it when the phone is supposed to supposed to fuck up? Four stops obsolescence. Four stops and it's with any technology. Right. That's an aspect that's been put. It's become it's become a status symbol. This technology is a status symbol. Yeah. Because its application to capitalism is so impactful, that narrative has to continue to be played forward. Plus, it, it increases the haves and the have-nots because these fucking telecom companies were supposed to lay down fiber optic internet cables in rural communities, and particularly in communities that are a little more isolated. They took government money in order to do this and then never accomplished it, and now they're coming out with 5G, and it's like folks in some parts of this country still 
still don't have internet access that they can afford. Yeah, and I would just, you know, juxtapose that with not only have they not done it, right, with all of this corporate money, they get angry when municipalities do it. Because I think about how much, how much, you know, how much legal impact has happened with Chattanooga having laid fiber to the home. So they have one of the world's best, well, at least one of America's best, you know, technological hubs in this small, sleepy southern town. Fiber optics run to no matter where you live in there. And this is faster than what you can buy from the companies. And so it's like, oh, it's anti-competition. Which is funny, the corporation says, as they try to uh, eliminate competition. Privatize everything, I say. That's what I'd like to do. Privatize water and privatize healthcare and internet access and electricity. And uh, the government doesn't do anything, right? It's all messed up, huh? This whole stupid narrative. Uh, you know you know what I'm surprised? You know what I'm surprised of, what? team? Uh, first of all, can we say we're in our motherfucking bag right now? Fuck Everybody yes, we are. is Go in their team. bag right now. I, My bag. I did not think... That the dystopia like this would come so fast. Like, are we not? This is already in the dystopia. This is a this is a world that I was supposed to watch in two thousand and four. This is like a mate. This is why we call it Exit the Matrix. We're yeah. living in a dystopia, and it's like, uh. I just remember being in second grade, and they're like, "What do you think two thousands and the beyond would look like?" And it's like, "Oh, you know, everybody's gonna love each other, and we're gonna have flying cars." And I'm like, "Uh, I mean, we got flying." Things that now spy on us all the time <laughs> and kill us. Yeah, the flying cars were drones. <laughs> right. And they're coming to murder you. Uh, yeah. And yeah. everyone standing around you. And I, not too many people love each other. But, I mean, there's there's folks out there. We're I, doing I, our thing. I wanted to discuss this, too, as another. This is maybe not a paradigm shift. But I'm just thinking about uh, what we're talking about, Donnie J's letter. Something that he uh, mentioned in that he or someone else uh, mentioned in his letter the so-called whistleblower. And I, I'm, I'm looking at what's happening with Chelsea Manning right now. Yeah. I'm looking at happening with Julian Assange. A lot of these people who are whistleblowers are now, maybe it's always been like this. And I don't know. employees. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about Google a couple podcasts ago. Podcasts is how I tell time. People who were looking into Google working with the ICE agency, you know what I'm saying? And, and Border Patrol and, and these kind of things. And it's like those people were fired and now the conversation isn't had. Is this what we're looking for in 2020? Still the the vilification of the whistleblower? I, I just wanted to see if y'all had thoughts on that at all. I mean, it's already happened. I just think that the actual uh, legal protections that whistleblowers have right now are going to get eroded next so that people don't. And, and the way they're going to frame the narrative is I have a right to face who accuses me me don't be a tattletale don't be a snitch and i'm like not in cases where corporations are fucking over mass swaths of people there's a reason that people who drop the dime on it um should not have to face risk to their safety but should also do the fucking right thing tell the people don't tell the cops they're not gonna help nobody look uh you know i fall in a weird place with this i do feel like people should have the right to face the person that accuses them if there's something you have to say about me look me in my motherfucking eyes and say that shit say that shit out loud don't say that shit in some quiet ass motherfucking corner but here's and i feel that way but as an individual not for corporation i mean to me right 
Keep it the fucking same energy, my guy. Like, how the fuck you got Julian Assange holed up in a fucking embassy for damn near a decade, right? So, oh, we love whistleblowers now? Chelsea Manning is in prison right now accruing fines because they won't fucking snitch on who their sources are. But we love fucking whistleblowers? Edward Snowden is is on the run probably for the rest of his life. Like, he keeps putting out all these tweets about, yeah, you know, I feel like the culture is changing and maybe in a decade I'll be motherfucking if you ever come to the United States, you're gonna fucking die, bro. You're not gonna fucking live. So, like, when we're talking about people giving a fuck about whistleblower, when the fuck did that start? So, you know, if we gonna be a culture of whistleblowers, look, first off, I do believe that people should blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Boop. But I don't know, I don't know if as a black man, I can co-sign on anonymous whistleblowing. I'm not for that shit. I grew up in the hood. Shit you got to say about motherfuckers, say it. It ain't it ain't that brave to say some shit if you could say some shit on a sneak and nobody ever got to know you the motherfucker that said it. Well, I, I mean, I just, I guess there's a couple things I want to say. Do we have any parting words for the people? You know, this is our last, first of all, episode 30, y'all. Can we give ourselves a little round of applause for episode 30, like, I guess we don't want to talk too much just about the podcast as an entity, you know what I'm saying, because we like to keep it all information-based, you know, but it was just a humble day in Georgetown. You took me to that bougie cafe. What was that bougie cafe we went to? It was Dean and DeLuca, of Dean course, because I'm a boss, motherfucker. All I'm, look, look, that's the thing, man. People talk about this shit all the time. I am a D.C. transplant, but you could drop me in any motherfucking neighborhood, and I got two or three spots. I got a jump. I got a little hole in the wall. I got a little shindig. I got a spot I could go on a date with. You know what I'm saying? Whatever part of D.C., I'll be sauced the fuck up. You got a paddy wagon. You got a van. Yeah, you got your condo. (laughs) This is the Leo nature, though, my friend. There's a particular aspect of each Leo that's incredibly bougie. You know me, it's clothes. I got to have the most design. And kicks. Yeah, I got the, you know what I mean? I'm not one of those people where it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, I will spend several hours looking at shoes or socks, for that matter, making sure. Your game is on point. You know, your affirmation. As a Leo, your affirmation means so much to me. And I just want to put that out there because I'm not afraid of my feelings. But I I appreciated both of y'all so much. I want to say the addition of guests, especially you, Kita, has just been such a benefit to this podcast. And I've appreciated working with y'all, and I can't wait for season three. It's going to be the biggest season ever. Oh, season three is going to be a fucking phenomenal. Unless the revolution happens and the utopia comes in before then, I mean, I think we'll be back for a long while. Any other thoughts? Fuck, we'll be here in the utopia, definitely celebrating all the successes and all the beauties of the human person oh, and the world. We'll be discussing recipes, you know, how to yeah, how to install so solar panels on your utopian tiny home. Let's yes. keep it going, yo. And look for us out in the world, you know. We got the podcast, but we all out there making moves, you know. So soon we gonna have our fucking uh, gonna have that great mixtape from Amin Drew Law. It's gonna blow everybody's mind. Ain't none of you motherfuckers ready for this shit. Facts. I have not nothing. Ready. <laughs> and 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 who knows? Someone could drop a manuscript. Someone Man, could make a slant team. Lord, Lord knows. And I'm always putting out essays. So like, if you want to really hear my loquacious, verbaceous ass, really wax, you know what I'm saying, poetic about some shit, you know. You now, can I know. ask a question? I ask a question. I'm going to ask the IT IT team over here. Yeah, if I there's an know. article that you write, is it going to be available on a website, particularly like a? ExitTheMatrixPodcast.com. Is there a space there for, for articles that you've written? Uh, of course there's yeah. going to be. Oh, okay. So maybe while... Bitch, uh, it might be. It, it might Bitch, be. it might be. 
uh, while you're while we're gonna be out, do your own research and hit up that website. Check out the Wokeshinary. Email us exit the matrix podcast at gmail.com. We on the gram yeah. matrix podcast. We on Facebook matrix podcast. We'll still be reading. We'll still be doing research we'll and still be uh, we'll still be interacting. So if you want to get in touch with us, you know what it is and you know what it could be. And you know where we at. <laughs> Big facts. <laughs> uh, Amin drew all next level with this next level shit. Plus size model. Very troublesome. Signing out for season two. And the 2010 decade, sending our love to you. Any other parting words? We out this bitch.